Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. Today on the show, we have Lindsay McCaffron. Lindsay is the fifth ever female black belt in the 10th Planet System under husband Brandon McCaffron in Decatur, Alabama. In this episode, Lindsay provides insight into her experience running an academy, BJJ parenting, her new love of wrestling, working on her guard, her passion for dragon boat racing, and so much more. It's a fun episode with a rare glimpse into this enigmatic figure that has been part of the winning formula of 10th Planet Decatur and so many of her endeavors. Some housekeeping notes. Lindsay mentions HQ a few times. She's referring to the 10th Planet headquarters in Los Angeles, California. We also mentioned the PGF, which stands for Professional Grapplers Federation. Just a reminder to please give us a five-star review on iTunes or just share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. And leave us feedback, suggestions on how we can improve the show, and consider becoming a patron at anchor.fm forward slash foreverwhitebelt. Like our Facebook page to get all the latest at Forever White Belt. Follow us on TikTok at Forever White Belt. And check us out on Instagram at Forever White Belt Show. Go buy your Forever White Belt swag at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. If you ever get to beautiful Northern California, please come roll with us at North Bay Jiu-Jitsu in the city of Novato. There's amazing instructors and everyone there are great people. Also, make sure to mention the podcast to get two weeks free. And with that, I give you Lindsay McCaffrey. Lindsay, thanks for being on the show. Oh, no problem. I'm super pumped. I'm, it's funny. I've, I've gotten a few invitations here pretty lately. So I'm like, I'm wondering why I'm getting so popular. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? It's about time. In doing my research for you, it's, it's tough to find a lot of Lindsay online. It's by design, it is. isn't it? It kind of so. Like, you know, Brandon is the guy that's like, uh, he's always up on stage and and he wants to be the rock star. And I'm like, that's cool. You go be the rock star and I'll just, I'll take care of things behind the scenes. So yeah, you you won't find any competition footage or anything like that. I'm pretty like, I, I'm more like self-motivated. I don't put myself out there very much. Which it's amazing too, because I remember speaking to Brandon, geez, two years ago in 2020 when he was on the show and he was telling me how he's like the idea guy, which obviously, you know, he's got a million ideas. It's incredible. And that you're sort of behind the scenes trying to rein it in. And how do, how do you see your role in that capacity? Yeah. So Brandon, um, Brandon, Brandon's more of a head in the clouds kind of guy. And so he, the way that he processes his ideas and thoughts is he'll talk them out with me. And I'm more of the implementation kind of person like, okay, well, I got your big idea. Like this is how we're going to be able to actually put this like feet on the ground kind of thing. Uh-huh. So he, he always says he's head in the clouds and I'm, I'm down digging in the dirt. You know, I, I make the things happen that, <laughs> that yeah. he dreams up. Does that come from like, you think your, your math and engineering background? Yeah, I'm more of a like process kind of person and all right, step one, step two, step three kind of thing. And Brandon, he's hard to start things. The way that he processes his ideas is he, he likes to talk them out. And so I'll listen and be like, well, we can't do that part, but we can do this. And this is how we can do it. We can either do it this way or we can do it that way. I like to think that I, I make his dreams come true. That's <laughs> I kind of nicknamed myself the executioner. So yeah, he's got all the big ideas and I I execute those. (laughs) 
Your background is really interesting in terms of your partnership. It's so unique, the way that you guys got into martial arts. I know you guys were doing Tang Soo Do, and that sort of came from a health concern of yourself or Brandon. But it's really unique to see a partnership like this, a marriage like this, go all the way to fruition to what you guys are doing now. Martial arts, the academy, the plural, I should say, because you had three locations, I believe, and all the other things that have stemmed off of that as well. It's been, I think, 15 years now since we started um, in Tang Sudo, and he, they incorporated Japanese jiu-jitsu. So we were doing some form of, of jiu-jitsu even 15 years ago. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I mean... I, you know, at a white belt, you never, you never think that you're going to like all the things that possibly could happen. But yeah, I mean, now we're running a business. We have about 180 students and we have several employees and that's all they do, you know, is work for us. And so we feel like we've uh, pulled people out of the matrix, you know, like come take this, you know, take this little pill and you won't have to go work a nine to five and, you know, you'll have all this freedom, (laughs) occupational freedom, and you get to do the things that you love. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest benefits I think is our dream was able to pull a lot of people out and, and let them realize their dream, just like um, Keelan, our, our camera guy, you know, I mean, he's, he's running a successful media company now. That's right. We were able to get cameras and, and he had the, um, you know, the foresight to go ahead and study all of this stuff and become probably one of the top people in his field, you know, doing martial arts, but he's doing all kinds of things. And so we're just super proud that all our hard work is benefiting our team. Did you guys have like a long-term plan or did you kind of stumble into all these different things, you know, from going way back saying, hey, you need to get into shape. Let's let's do something and look where you're at now. And like you said, all those seeds that you've planted and all those trees that have sprouted. Well, I don't know how long-term Brandon ever is. Like he comes up with these ideas, like we said, and he knows dives into whatever he's into at the moment. So it's been several things. Like it was basketball for a while. It was guitar for a while. Hmm. And then it became jujitsu. And so he'll just nerd out on things. But it's usually he nerds out on that thing until he finds his next thing just that ADD kind of mentality there, but jujitsu stuck with us. And I think it was a lot in part that we were doing it together. And, uh, and I've heard him say, you know, he was talking to me and he was saying, you just kept going and I could never quit. (laughs) (laughs) He he didn't want to quit when I was still fired up about it. So, and, and, you know, it worked that way with me too. And Brandon loves this and he enjoys this. And so it just stuck with us. We got our kids in it. And for our kids to have training partners, we started the kids program. And then yeah. just everything exploded from there. And we still love it. And it just started growing and growing. You know, in the South, there weren't any 10th planet schools at mm-hmm. all. And so we were really making headway in the 10th planet system that way. So, yeah, I mean, and Brandon's drive to do, so he kind of separated off and and decided to do a lot of social media and that kind of thing. And I think it's had a lot of longevity because of that too. Yeah. So he's seen a lot of success with the social media aspect. And so, yeah, he just, he doesn't ever want to stop. He gets really sad when he gets injured and he can't, he can't play, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's amazing. You remind me that uh, in the early days, you two were going to LA, correct? To when you were starting with 10 Planet? Yeah, Brandon would go uh, anytime that Eddie was in driving distance. Eddie was doing a lot of seminars back in those days. 
and um, he would probably go to L.A. maybe once a year. And I didn't start going until probably brown belt, purple belt, brown belt. Because, you know, when you get at the end of like a belt and you're like, okay, it's time for that next one. I got to start showing people, you know, what I got and what my game's Mm -hmm. like. So Mm -hmm. at the end of those belts, I was kind of, you know, you get your your feathers ruffled a little bit and you're like, it's time for that. You know, you just get kind of itchy. I would start going to L.A. and in HQ and in those parts of my life to, <laughs> to yeah, test yeah. myself a little bit, you know, any HQ is going to give you a lot of competition. And so, yeah, I just needed to test myself a little bit. So I would start going with them a few times, but I definitely haven't been as much as him. Speaking of testing yourself, I know I've run into the, or a dilemma sometimes where I'm an older guy, I'm in my fifties here and I'm pretty light for my age, you know, 170, usually men get a little heavier at that age and uh, on the smaller. So it's difficult to find partners that are what you would consider your equal. I believe I've heard you deal with that dilemma before as well. Do you still find that to be the case and how, how do you deal with that? So I'm 41. And like I said, we've been doing jujitsu for... <laughs> I shouldn't have alluded that you were older at all. I didn't mean no, that. <laughs> well, no, it's... <laughs> you can't hide it. You know? um, yeah, I'm 41. And I definitely feel the training sessions a lot more than I used to. But yes, training partners is super important. Especially, you know, a lot of black belts don't drill anymore. Like they'll take class or they'll sit on the sidelines and stuff like that. But I found an amazing training partner. So our other black belt here, Matt Scaff, Mm -hmm. he and I uh, are main training partners. He's closer to my size. I was 137 this morning. He's around 165. So he's got excellent technique and knows how to not be, uh, knows how to train the technique without being rough or heavy. And so, yeah, to be able to sustain active training, active drilling, you have to find a training partner that's going to be good to your body and not have an ego, you know, like we're in it together. We're both learning. And uh, so, yeah, he's been, he's been super beneficial in my improvement and my development over the years for sure. Yes. You got to find that. But, and you also have to be, uh, it's kind of hard, especially as a woman, like turning down roles, like Mm. somebody asks me to roll and they're 70 pounds heavier than me, you know, and especially at my age, I've got to be like, no, dude, not today. Not today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's interesting. Some of my favorite partners are are women. As you mentioned, I can work on technique. You know, I'm obviously not going to play pressure. They're typically really fast compared to to myself. It makes for a, a great type of situation for someone like myself. And, and, you know, my weight differential is not, you know, it's not going to put as much stress on his body. And so, you know, just taking care of each other and just making sure that we can be around and, and train for hopefully, you know, many more years, fingers crossed, (laughs) uh, you know, and you got to find those even during like free roll, there's, you pick out those partners that, you know, are going to be good to you and we can practice technique for technique and not necessarily see who's the stronger person because I, I give up. You're stronger than me. You know? <laughs> I definitely, and my daughter wrestled for the school for um, her middle school. And, you know, we've had the discussion about, you know, the difference between guys and girls and, and the testosterone running through their bodies. And it's just, it's not comparable. So I definitely appreciate those training partners that don't have, don't feel like they need to show me how strong they are. 
before the show, we were talking about the importance of somewhat about warming up and a lot of your concerns that you're sort of, you know, expressing here in terms of like concerning about your training partners and things like that. I'm wondering, have you had any type of like serious injuries or injuries that have really affected you and and how did you recover those? And, and honestly, also throughout this journey of yours, was there a time that you considered quitting? And if so, why? So I, the most serious injury that I've had is I had some nerve damage. It was, um, I think it was a year ago in November. I got caught in a Kimura trap, but my arm got extended away from my body. And then I felt like a tear down my shoulder blade. And so I started getting numbness and like these three fingers and like tingling all up my arm. And then, um, so I do some strength and conditioning throughout the week and noticed I was just losing strength in that arm. And so it took me about a year to be able to strengthen that side to where it matched my right side. So again, uh, Matt Scaff, my training partner, he, he's my strength and conditioning coach. So yeah, I mean, he was doing just super lightweight stuff and just getting my strength back up. And that took about a year and uh, it's crazy, but, and I mean, I still feel some like this finger, I don't feel anything in it, so. <laughs> but thinking about quitting, I don't know. It's almost like I'm addicted to it now. And I don't know that I can quit fully. Uh, I mean, I think that I'll always be in the community somehow. I, I don't even know how I would stop training right now. That's weird. Yeah, right. yeah you're so embedded. That is true. <laughs> yes. And I even said, like at the end of last year, I was like, maybe I need to not do so many rounds at the end of training. Mm. I don't have to do 10 rounds at the end of every training session. Oh, man. Like, how about five or so and then I'll go 10 anyway. So yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of addicted to it right now. So I, I have thought about quitting just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Especially after training, I'll be like ugh, barely walking off the mat. <laughs> why are you doing this? Frequently question my decision-making, but yeah, I will eventually have to change things up and and those will be sad days, but I, hopefully I'll be able to rein things back in so that I can train till I'm 50, 60. What does your strength regimen look outside of jujitsu, right? So it sounds like, did you have anything prior to this injury that you were doing? You know, and then as well, how did you even start training during this injury? Because you're typically so injured. Sometimes training even exacerbates this type of thing. Yeah. So again, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. But for a long time, I would just stick my arm inside my rash guard <laughs> and I would just play with one arm. And, you know, wow. again, get those those training partners that'll be nice to you and let you still get some uh, some rounds in with one arm. It develops your game in other ways. And or you could just work on passing. Or, you know, there's lots of things that you can still do when you're when you have an injury. But, you know, I don't necessarily recommend training with one arm for everyone. <laughs> but, you know, being a black belt and and having black belt training partners, they understand. They've been at that point where they're injured and they still want to train. And they, they know that I want to get in there and get some reps in. So they allow me to, they're gracious enough and allow me to still roll while I'm injured. My strength and conditioning schedule, so for the past... I think three years, no, probably more like four. Matt Scaff and I have been training together and we'll, we'll do three times a week for about an hour each, each day. Mm. And so it's more body weight or lightweight and lots of reps. 
that kind of thing. We we sometimes do max weight, but that's not very often. And so, yeah, we're just trying to um, strengthen the joints and just make sure that everything is nice and secure. So, yeah, even before the injury, I was I was doing some strength and conditioning stuff. Just I'm not always the smallest person, but most of the time I'm the smallest person. And so I realized a long time ago that I needed to be able to protect myself, protect my shoulders and my knees and that kind of stuff. And so any kind of extra work that I could do strength and conditioning wise would just be beneficial. I actually started um, weight training a long time ago, a long time ago because I was trying to do a Spartan race and I did a, a few of those and I was like, that's one of those obstacle races where you get in the mud and run around. And yeah, so I did a few of those. And that's that's what started it. But I like lifting and and that kind of thing. Let's talk about your teaching. You're you're a really good teacher. I finally found a video of you uh, teaching a I believe it's a truck counter that okay. you guys recently posted. And I've I rewatched and rewatched that video multiple times because I, I really couldn't find much on countering the truck. And I'm like, so finally, and I'm like, wow, she's a good teacher. Is this like a sign of future things to come? Are we going to see some more Lindsay teaching videos? We hope. Possibly. So I was a high school math teacher for 14 years and um, I taught a lot of low level math courses. And so I really developed the skill of explaining as well. I think people that didn't understand concepts. And so I, I, I think I just developed the teaching skill uh, over those 14 years. And so right now, we have a shift in, in our instructors here at the gym. And so uh, I taught class Friday night and uh, I, I don't teach class right now on a regular basis, but that might be coming just because, like I said, we have a, we have a shift in instructors and I may be teaching for a while, but I, I don't know if it's going to get recorded. So it really just depends on um, who's in class. If we have our secret weapon Trent recording or Keelan's recording. So I probably will be teaching more, but yeah, I don't know if it's going to get <laughs> Well, it was cool. It, it was a unique perspective. You know what I mean? I haven't, I haven't seen that in your guys' video much. And I'm like, oh, this is this is refreshing. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm not much of a in front of the camera kind of person. I, I leave that stuff to Brandon. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't mind it. So I actually was I uh, did a whole month back. Uh, it's been a couple of years ago now, but I did an X guard month and we recorded it and then we lost the footage. So oh, no. I was going to have, yeah, no, uh, we were going to have a module of me teaching a whole curriculum, but yeah. Hmm. So what do you feel makes a, a great teacher? I think that if you touch on all the ways that people learn, so there are several different kinds of learners, there's visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. And so jujitsu covers definitely the kinesthetic part. You know, you're doing it, you're moving your body when you're drilling these concepts, but audio and visual. So make sure that you're describing the moves and that kind of thing. And then I also use my hands and I'll, I'll like snap my hand, my right hand goes here and you know, my, my left hand goes here. And so I try to touch on all of those things because I'm more of a visual person. I need Mm. to see doing something and I could look all around at all the aspects and, and see it. And I need to see if I, if I'm listening to a podcast, I need to be watching it too. And so, cause I'll just start drifting off into space, but then in, like I said, in jujitsu, you get to feel it too. Your body's moving. So I, I really think that 
Also, if you're able to explain things on a low level, like, can you explain this to the kids class? Uh, if you can explain it to and teach it in a kids class and then turn around and teach it in a beginner class and it's the same material, then I think you're a really great instructor. If you if you can break it down to where eight-year-olds can understand it, then you understand the concept. Conversely, what do you think makes a great student? Hmm. I think that it's going to be you're willing to do what your instructor says. So for a while we were doing it would be a flow. So it, it might be a sequence from a takedown all the way to a submission. And we were wanting you to get 200 reps on it all throughout the month. And so, you know, when you come in, you get 25 reps at the beginning of class. And then by the end of the month, then you'll have 200 reps on something. And so, you know, we really saw that that it was important. And so we had this wall in our school with blackboard paint on it. And so you would write your name on it and then how many reps you had. And so seeing those students that were actually willing to put forth the effort and and doing those things and and getting those 200 reps, their game just shot through the roof, you know, especially with those concepts. And so I think just being willing to listen to your instructor who's been around for a while, knows what they're talking about and say, okay, they're asking me to get 200 reps. It's probably beneficial. And then taking the time and actually doing it. And I think showing up to class, you know, a lot of people will just show up to roll and Mm. rolling is great. And rolling is where you cement your learning also, but coming to class and seeing what concepts are are important to us as the instructors, Brandon as uh, the curriculum director, you know, what he thinks is important for the school to be learning because he's rolling with everyone. And so he decides what the school needs, you know, what the students need in their game. And so that's going to determine what next month's curriculum is going to be. So coming to class and taking the time and doing the drills, getting the reps in and listening and not having an ego about it. I think that makes an excellent student. You mentioned the Academy. What makes a 10th plan educator unique? It's crazy. We've got we've gotten so many visitors lately, just from all over. We've we've had people from New York, Colorado, California, Canada. You know, just come and visit us and stay with us for a while. And the main thing that I hear, the things that I hear that these people that come and visit us, because you know, I mean, if you train here, then you really you're. We have people go other places and take classes and stuff, and we encourage that. But if you train here uh, primarily, I don't think you realize how good it is. But the people that visit say that we have an amazing community. And Brandon and I have worked very hard on setting the tone for that and Mm -hmm. how we treat each other. And, uh, you you know, when you come here, you're just a part of the group. And we, hey, so-and-so, it's good to see you. And Mm -hmm. Follow them on Facebook and I'll be like, oh, I saw that your daughter had her first birthday party. You know, how did that go? And um, just we sit around and we socialize afterwards and it's just a community and we really care about each other. And so that's that's one of the things. But then, you know, they also talk about how high level our jujitsu is. And, you know, there's not very many restaurants and and we do roll a lot at the end. So, you know, we put on every time after class, we put on 26 minute rounds and there are people still going. Usually they don't make it to 20. Brandon will sometimes try to do 20. Wow. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's people still going around 13, 14, 15. And so 
we've really created an atmosphere where people just love jujitsu and um, it's, you know, created a bunch of killers. Yeah. So we, yeah, we have people visit all the time and just talk about how beautiful our jujitsu is. And that just makes my heart happy. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. No, it comes through in the video. When you mentioned the sense of community, it really seems like everyone's very familiar with each other. Everyone's really, it seems to be a good vibe there that comes through on, on video anyways. So one of the things I want to ask you about too, is the PGF. I think you guys are what season four now is about to start in October or something like that. So I'm just (laughs) curious, like logistically, how are you guys even doing that? You have an Academy, you mentioned kids classes and everything too. How are you squeezing in uh, PGF? And then additionally, if you could real briefly sort of describe what PGF is for, for the listeners. Yeah. So PGF is the professional grappling federation, and this is one of Brandon's brainchild brain children, I guess. (laughs) So uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic, he was like, let's start a jujitsu league. And um, I was like, okay, uh, (laughs) let's do it. So he just started messaging competitors close to the Southeast. Um, I think Caleb McAllister in Virginia was probably the furthest away, but uh, we got a lot of guys to commit. And so he just started doing at the very beginning in season one, they would only come on Fridays for, I think, like 13 weeks. And um, so they were traveling every week, however many hours they had to travel. And they would come and do, I think the competitors were doing three matches each on the on those Friday nights. And then in season two, we kind of consolidated it to where it everything happened in one week so that the competitors didn't have to travel back and forth. And then we did the same thing season three. Um, we just did it live this this past season. So everything happened in a week. And then, we, yeah, we would just shoot it live, which logistically, that was a whole lot better. We shut down the school for a week. And so everybody was free to just hands on deck, whatever we needed you to do. And mm-hmm. what's great is that everybody's so willing to help out, you know, and they want to be a part of things. So it was really great, you know, just being a part and, and watching everybody just come and, and take care of things and help out. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy time intensive, you know, especially mm. doing commentary. You're just sitting there for hours watching jujitsu, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of people do that anyway, but talking about it and mm-hmm. yeah, it's very tiring this coming up season. We're also going to have some females. Oh and, yeah. Uh, that's great. They're going to have their own bracket. So it's going to be 155 pound males and 135 pound females. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be exciting. We've had um, a lot of interest over the chat and, you know, a few people talking about how they want a female season. So we're going to, it's kind of going to be a mini bracket. I think he's going to do eight competitors and then four um subs if we if we need those substitutes to come in so he's looking for 12 ladies 135 pounds and below so that's going to be exciting this is madness you know i mean because the pgf itself is it seems like a a giant project like or even a product it's a product so your your marketing your branding you know all the stuff the brackets the visuals the promotion of the individuals or probably even logistically scheduling individuals and things like that uh, I know I recently spoke with uh, Eli Knight, who was there, I believe, for the last one. He had nothing but praise about it. Yeah, it's crazy what Brandon can pull off, you know. I mean, and, and he's added but you so too, much- Lindsay, right? I mean, you're well, part yeah. you're part of this. Oh, I agree. This <laughs> madness. Yeah, we, the, the staff is just always willing to step up and and help mm-hmm. Brandon with crazy schemes. 
So, yeah, and it, he's thought of everything. I mean, he's doing combine and a draft. Oh, that's right. The combine. I didn't even mention that. Yeah. And before that, we even have the qualifiers. So it's like a, you know, like a minor league kind of thing. And then we've got the chat and we've got the um, the fantasy league. And right. Now we have trading cards. So Brandon's doing oh, right. uh, NFTs. NFTs, right, for trading cards. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just made it into all the things that he loves about sports leagues. He's like, we right. need to have for the PGF. It's so funny you mentioned chat because I remember in the first one watching a lot of these events and then um, listening to the super chat or seeing the super chat. And then when I, whenever I'd hear a super chat or a super chat would happen, this is a thing in YouTube, everyone that's listening out there where you can pay a little bit and then you get like a super chat or something like that. You get sort of like priority in terms of your chat. And then I would hear Lindsay go womp, 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 or something like that. Right. And I, I heard it so many times that it's stuck in my head. So I'm walking around my house, just going, and I told Brandon this, I'm going womp, 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 every few minutes. And my wife finally is like, what, what the hell are you doing? I think Brandon started that one year we did, or well, the last ADCC, we all like got together and just straight up all eight hours, but we would just sit and watch it. And then when people would donate, Brandon started going womp, womp, womp. Uh, okay. And then, uh, so we carried that over. And when we started the chat with the PGF, you know, people would donate and I'll just go womp, womp, womp. Cause that was in my head from him doing it. Oh my and God. So it's funny when we have people visit and, uh, we actually had, um, one of the guys from the chat come and visit and he was like, I'm so like, he's like, normally I'm not starstruck, but it's just like, I've been in the gym because I've been watching you guys on social media and I know what everything looks like and I know everybody already. And, and so he's just like, yeah. And Lindsay is like, I need you to give me a womp womp, you know? That's <laughs> so, great. Yeah, That's great. I've been associated with the womp womps now. <laughs> oh, got you. So you, you, so mentioning someone that, that comes in and they're like, whoa, you know, I can't, I've seen the videos of this and that. What's that like? Cause I know that you guys travel a lot and you do seminars all over the world and are in all kinds of places and you've become more known and more known. What, what is that even like? It's kind of weird because like, like I said, I'm normally a behind the scenes kind of person. And so I remember it was probably two years ago when we went to HQ for an event. I think it was like a brown belt quintet that we went for. Hmm. And uh, we would walk in and people would be like, there's the Mike Catherine's. Oh my God. And I'm like, what? That's so weird. And now like Brandon will have people stop him at Walmart and be like, are you Brandon McCatherine? And he's like, yeah. So it's just weird having the low level of uh, being famous, you know? Right, right. <laughs> We're famous in a, a very small population. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. We've both done seminars out of the country and both done seminars nationally, him on a very much grander scale. But yeah, I mean... It's so weird. 15 years ago, starting out as a white belt, and there's no way I would have imagined that this was my future. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So going back to jujitsu, I'm curious, you know, you've, you've been doing this for, for some time, you're a black belt. What's interesting you right now in terms of your own jujitsu? 
Okay. Um, so my two goals this year are to work on my wrestling and to work on my guard, which, you know, very opposing things to work on, but the, mm. that's what I'm interested in right now. And so we have, if you or any of your viewers watch the PGF, then you know Matt Elkins. He and his brother run Ironclad Wrestling out of Birmingham, Alabama. But Matt just recently moved to Decatur. He's driving back and forth to teach classes at Ironclad, but he's teaching our noon classes and he's doing a lot of wrestling techniques that are not that are going to be good for me 41 years old not having to shoot to my knees and stuff and so we're working on like pass bys and duck unders you know we'll work on single legs and that kind of thing and so it's really gotten my interest up just him teaching in a way that's not going to be injurious to my body and um, I'll be able to level up and so I've been super pumped about working on my wrestling and so I'm starting all of my roles standing just trying to get the reps in trying to wow. get under and so I, I've been having a lot of fun with that and I never thought I would enjoy wrestling because the coaches that we've had before have just been, kind of been like just go harder and I'm like but where do I put my right hand and they're mm-hmm. like oh, it doesn't matter just go harder and I'm like no I'm 41 I can't go harder <laughs> <laughs> we're notorious for not wrestling too jujitsu individuals right yeah, but you know, like I said, if if you understand a concept, then you're going to be able to break it down on on a much lower level so that people can understand it. And so, you know, finally, Matt Elkins, you know, he's been wrestling his entire life, and so when he comes in and he's teaching classes and he's teaching 41 year old me, and you know, he knows how to explain it to me, and so I've I've been having a blast with wrestling. And How's your back guards. holding up with that? So it's funny that you asked that because I've just now signed up for massage. So this wow. lady, fantastic. She's got this membership program. And so twice a month and she's got this huge discount. I'm like, let's do it. So <laughs> I'm having to get massages twice a month. That's what's, that's what's resulting. But that's great. We need it. I'm loving the massage too. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the guard work then that you were talking about that you that's one of your goals. Well, that's interesting. Number one, that you even set goals. Do you do, you oh, do yeah. this every year? I try, you know, a lot of people do new year's resolutions and that kind of thing. But this year I tried to do like at a lot of different aspects of my life, like, okay, I'm not really teaching math anymore, but I still want something that's going to engage my brain. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's set a goal for your learning and let's set a goal for your jujitsu and let's set a goal for like meditation, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm trying to like get better in all aspects of my life and not just jujitsu. Uh, I want to stay, I want my brain to stay engaged, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I, I, I try to set goals and, you know, I don't, some people would probably say that my goals are not the correct goals. Like Brandon goes, you need to put a number with the goal. Like I need to be able to do this many and give it a time period and all this stuff. And I, I don't mm. go into it that far, but I just kind of have a, a purpose, you know, like I just want to work on wrestling and get better at it. Like it doesn't have to have any defining numbers. Like I have to have two takedowns every training session or anything like that. I'm not doing that. I'm not putting pressure on myself. Pressure, yeah. I have in the back of my mind what I'm working on and am I getting better? Am I able to get the underhooks better? Those kind of things. So it's not high pressure goals because I'm not competing, you know, and I I plan to be in jujitsu for a really long time. So just gradually getting better, just as long as I know that I'm improving. And like I said, a bunch of different aspects, then I'm, I'm good to go. Coming back to your guard, what is that a goal? I get passed a lot. And so uh, I really see that there are some players in the gym that just have 
far superior guards. And I just need to, I need to have that as a first line of defense and not just wait until my guard is passed. And then, okay, let's start. Because I feel sometimes I get impatient and I'm like, well, I just kind of want them to pass. And then we can start working on other stuff because I've been kind of bored with the guard, I guess. And I just don't feel like we're started yet. You know, we haven't gotten the fun things going. So I need to like for defense, actually, you know, I need to be able to hold them off longer. You know, and a lot of people here will brag, oh, well, I never even got my guard passed. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, never? Like, <laughs> like the whole training session? You didn't get uh-huh. your guard? So yeah, it's just something I need to focus more on. Mm. So has your passion or whatever it may be been mainly playing top and passing, that kind of thing? Yes. So mm. um, I really enjoy passing. I started watching the Gordon passing instructional, Gordon Ryan passing instructional, mm-hmm. and it just threw my game through the roof. Wow. And Yes. And I really enjoy his instructionals or, you know, a lot of people's instructionals, but I started implementing a lot of those things and then, you know, researching some other people and just started focusing in on passing. And I think my passing's gotten really good and my top pressure is pretty heavy and I've got some game from the top. So yeah, I feel pretty adequate passing and top pressure, but yeah, guard, I just have like two things that I Yeah, I need more pathways. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of some people that you admire, you, you mentioned Gordon. What other practitioners do you admire? I really love Marcelo Garcia. So when I was studying for the X Guard month that I was teaching, uh, his stuff is just so good. He's little, you know, and he's so I can really take his stuff and, and implement it. It's high level stuff, but it's not difficult. You know what I mean? Like you're not using strength and that kind of stuff. And he's just got an amazing game. And I love that he he has this concept where it's just like one more move. No, I just need one more move. And when I'm passing, I just move one more time and one more time. And and so that kind of, you know, I'm like, okay, I got that idea. Now let's build up the cardio to be able to have one more move and, you know, add more techniques so that you're able to pull out of your library. That one more move needs to be something different than I just tried. And let's go to this side and pass to the other side. And and have some some different sequences over there. And so, yeah, I would say Marcelo. So earlier you mentioned uh, competing. Uh, you don't compete now. Did you compete before? And if not, what's your rationale behind it? <laughs> okay, so in, in those days, so like 14, 15 years ago in the South, like I said, we were the only 10th Planet schools. There were, uh, there were some other Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools, but not very many. And I was the third black belt, female black belt in the state of Alabama. So there's just not a whole lot of, well, even Jiu-Jitsu, to nationally, there's just not a whole lot of female competitors. Just the talent pool is amazing, very technical, very right. good. It's very small. And so just during those early days, I did a competition and <laughs> the only other female that was there was a judo brown belt and she outweighed me by a hundred pounds, literally a oh. hundred pounds. And so I entered the competition and then the guy who was in charge came and he was like, okay, I've got one other female. And he told me what her weight was and asked me if I, if I still wanted to compete. And I did. And I, and I got thrown across the room, but I tapped her once it went to the ground. Wow. But, Congrats. Um, My goodness. Thanks. But it's just, it was really difficult kind of scene, you know, you would show up to a competition in those days and it would just be like, okay, yeah, we've got three females. They're all going to just, we're all going to put them in a bracket together. So regardless of age, experience, weight class, it was just, you just get grouped up because you're female. 
Wow. And I just wasn't really interested in that. I had a full-time job and two kids and I wasn't training competition rounds or anything like that. And then mm. to go to a competition and really, you know, it just wasn't very encouraging at that time. Um, yeah, right. But now we have a female competitor out of 10th Planet Decatur, and she's competing nationally. She just competed at Sapatero. She's competing next month at Medusa, which is 10th mm-hmm. Planet's, or it's Eddie Bravo's. That's amazing. Only. Is that uh, Kyla, by any chance? Kaya, yeah. yeah. Kaya, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Kaya's last name again? Do you know? Jackson. Kaya Jackson. Okay. Yeah. She's been able to do amazing things. And so the competition scene is much, much different. And now I just have no interest in doing competitions. I'm 41 and... <laughs> I just enjoy rolling around on the mat, you know, during class and stuff. So I don't know that I would make it through a training camp. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about your journey a bit more. Can you give us the synopsis of what each belt level was for you? So we were at White Belt. We were in the back room of the karate school that we were training at. So it was like 200 square feet of puzzle mats. And we had probably about five or six training partners and we would all roll with everybody and, you know, regardless of weight and regardless of experience. Well, we're all inexperienced. So we would just, you know, be terrible on each other. (laughs) So And I was really content just being a white belt and training and learning and getting better. And then Brandon would come to me and he would say, all right, well, I think you're close to your blue belt. And I'm like, what? But I mean, at that point, we've been training three or four years and Brandon just wasn't ranked yet because headquarters is in LA and we're in Decatur, Alabama. And so, you know, like I said, he would, he would go and visit Eddie as much as possible, but you know, it was was a while before Brandon got his blue belt and purple belt. so we were kind of, it took me, I guess, four, I think four years to get my blue belt, <laughs> mm-hmm. just because Brandon wasn't ranked at that time. And then at blue belt, I had, I was just really good at defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I would come in with little goals, just like, I'm just not going to get choked today. I'm just going to protect my neck. And mm-hmm. and so my defense became really, really good at blue belt. And then Brandon, again, when I got close to purple, he would give me tasks like, all right, I want you to be able to to not only defend yourself, but I want you to start getting some offense. So purple mm. belt was the belt of, all right, I'm starting to chain some some offense mm. offense sequences together. And, um, you know, maybe getting one move that's like, all right, Lindsay, that's legit your move, you know? And so becoming like a little specialist at one sequence, probably. At brown belt was the time that I had to get aggressive and I had to learn what was my killing stroke, you know, are are you going to be able to crank things, you know, or get the tap if you need to get the tap. So brown belt was kind of when the the animal had to come out, you know? And so Brandon, I think that was his task for me was like, all right, well, can you, you can get to the position. Can you finish it? And so brown belt was just the aggression needed Mm. to be ran. And then black belt was kind of like be a specialist kind of thing. Like um, just find what you enjoy and study that and just become really good at that. And then the next thing that interests you, just follow that and, you know, just become an artist. So I really enjoyed like, cause I, I'm up for my first degree in July. So it's almost been wow. three years. I've really just enjoyed, this may sound corny, but I just enjoyed painting, you know I mean? Just like creating and there's no pressure anymore to impress anybody. So I can just do, it's my jujitsu and I can just make it whatever I want to. And so it's just been really fun. Black belt's been really fun and no pressure. 
and all those other belts. You're just kind of like, people are watching me. And if I get mm. tapped out, turn around. Did coach see? And, you know, that kind of thing. And now it's just like, okay, yeah, you tapped me. And all right, let's just roll again. And I'll try to not get tapped by that again. And let's find something else to, to work on. So, like I said, it's just, it's a bit a lot less pressure. And I can just create and make my game something that's interesting to me. On that note, let's talk about the other YouTube video that I can find on you is your black belt promotion. So I've seen that one also a few times too. And I rewatched it prior to our interview just to sort of revisit it. Can you tell me about that moment when it happened? I know he pulled out the purple belt and he was sitting, you were sitting next to him. And then he started kind of recapping your journey together a bit. And when you think about that moment, what do you think about? So I kind of knew Brandon's not good at keeping surprises. (laughs) (laughs) I figured, I figured you could read them too. What was happening? He's kind of like a kid at Christmas, you know, he just gets so excited. He can't keep a secret. (laughs) Um, So I kind of knew that it was, that it was going to happen. I just didn't know when, but I, I knew it was close. And, you know, a lot of times you get a belt and you're like, oh no, I don't know if I'm ready, but I kind of had that too, just because I wanted to be a good black belt. I didn't want to just be a regular old black belt. And, you know, it also comes with Brandon's my husband. And so I didn't want people to think, oh, well, he's just giving his wife a black belt. She didn't really do anything. I mean, there's, there's enough stuff on me to know that I've been training for a long time. So I Mm -hmm. wasn't super concerned with that. But, you know, I mean, that's in the back of your mind. And and I'm sure some people said it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, if you come and roll with me, then you'll know that I'm good. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm in one moment in the speech, I talk about how I think that it's super important and really awesome that our kids get to see not only dad be a black belt, but mom be a black belt too. And especially for my daughter, who's 13, I just wanted to show her that, I mean, if you, and she sees me working, you know, and training and she knows how much effort I put in. And so that those kind of things are attainable and big goals can happen. And, and, you know, I wanted to show my son that women can be strong too, and women can make big things happen and don't mess with mom. (laughs) So, and we've gotten to have our kids on the mat and we've gotten to have that experience where we're grappling each other and, you know, they're safe and I'm safe, but we're still, you know, we're having a little, a little tussle. And so they know that, then I'm not a pushover and that don't mess with mom. Cause she can, she can beat you up on the mat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, and it's been a super great experience for my kids and they get to, they get to be what they are and they don't have to, they don't have to change the things that they like and the people that they are because of what people are going to think. And, you know, my, my son is, he's a video game nerd and loves star Wars and politics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but he can be as weird and as nerdy as he wants to be because he knows how to defend himself. And he knows like he has the confidence in himself that he can take care of himself. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that this journey has been amazing for our whole family. Yeah. If you don't mind, let's talk about uh, parenting for a bit and and jujitsu as well. Yeah, I, I believe we have a similar sort of experience in a way, although I have just one daughter, you know, she was doing jujitsu up to a certain point, you know, for a number of years. And I made the mistake of like forcing her to go like every day, right? I was like really intent on it, mistake. I'll forever regret that. And obviously got to the point where, you know, I'm over it. I want to quit. And I have to respect that. And from what I understand with you, you have one that got to that point too, where not that you drove him like that, but that 
hey, you know, this isn't for me for now, maybe, right? And the other one's like continuing on to some extent. Can you touch on that? Yeah, so they both started, um, like I said, we were at the karate school um, and they each started martial arts when they were three. And I wanted them to be able to learn coordination and be able to move their bodies and that kind of thing. And then when we moved out of the karate school, that's when we started the kids program. So we, our second location, they started getting old enough to actually take jujitsu classes. And, and then now we're at our third location and they're, they're teenagers now. And so our daughter really, she just is kind of tapering off of jujitsu also. But it, it really doesn't bother me very much because I feel like they have the foundation that they need. And if they ever wanted to come back to it, they would still have that foundation and they they have the skills for self-defense. And so that's really all I wanted. I didn't want them. They don't necessarily have to love the things I love, you know, and I, and I didn't want to force those things on them just because I didn't want them to hate it. And so, you know, I hope, I hope one day they'll find their way back to it. But I really just wanted them to, like I said, be able to defend themselves and be able to have an exercise and be healthy, that kind of thing. But if they're able to find, you know, happiness somewhere else, I, I at least accomplished my goal of giving them a skill. And they know now how hard it is to learn a thing. If you've never like become really good at something, you don't really know the process that it takes to get good. And so my daughter, you know, training from three to 13, you know, 10 years and she still, you know, wow. she still realizes because she'll come and, and roll. She'll realize that she doesn't have the skill of someone else who's been in it longer or who is an adult who's been training. And so she kind of learned, she kind of learned how to learn with it. And so hmm. she knows that it's going to take a long time to be able to obtain a skill. But if I go twice a week for 10 years, then uh, she knows how much of a skill is learned by that behavior. Mm-hmm. And so, I, don't know, I mean, I think, I think it taught them several things, but no, I mean, I'm not, I think Brandon's a little bit more heartbroken than I am. <laughs> but I'm not yeah. training. I mean, I, I would like them to be a part of the community and my daughter's still helping with a uh, kid's class right now. Oh, cool. uh, I think she's going to transition out of that for the summer and uh, Brandon's going to start helping her with the, uh, or she's going to start trying to do more like social media. He's going to be teaching her maybe how to run the camera, how to be posting stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. She's going to learn a different aspect of the business. And, you know, I, I think, with us running the school, there'll always be a place for them if they want to work for us or, you know, they want to get out of working a nine to five, then they'll always have a place with us. But just, yeah, they have options and I want them to go and explore, you know, not what mom and dad are doing, but, you know, what do you love to do? You know, yeah. something else really cool. So that's great that you guys are open to that. And what another thing I've noticed too is a lot of times these kids they realize they get into basketball or something and whatever, and they realize, you know, I'm not going to be the LeBron and, and then they, they end up coming back, you know, to jujitsu, their twenties or, you know, late teens or something like that. Yeah. Well, we even see, you know, with the kids class, that's about the time that just our kids quit coming to kids classes. That's those teenage years when you start girls and, Oh, there's something. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and and I kind of expected it with our kids, you know, they're going to find something different that they're interested in for a while. And like I said, hopefully come back to it. Having been in this game for a while, you've seen a lot of the evolution of jujitsu. Where do you see it going? What do, what do you see as like the future of jujitsu? 
I think it's it's cyclical. So like, you know, something that's going to be super popular for a while. Well, then people are going to start working on the defense for that move. And, you know, those those are the classes that are going to be taught in academies. And so that thing that was working for a little while is not working anymore because people are working on their defense. And so we're going to bring back something or just there are very few moves that are going to be created now. Or, you know, and I think people will revisit old concepts and make them newer or put their own touch or own spin on things. But I, I think that it just it just goes in a circle, you know, um, K-Guard will be cool for a while and then people will, you know, be able to shut it down. And then so people will stop doing K-Guard, but then they'll come back to it because people forgot about it, you know. And so, oh, I'm able to hit it, you know, on all my training partners now for a while. And then they get savvy to it and then you move on to something else. So. I really think that's that's a really cool thing about jujitsu is you can bring back old concepts and and make them yours, put your own spin on things. But yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't think that it, there's going to be any, um, and I might be completely wrong, but I mean, any new discoveries of new concepts or new of new moves. So I don't know. It's it's just interesting where where you see the competitions going that's usually because you see buggy chokes for a while and then i was about to say buggy choke yeah everybody (laughs) in the gym's trying buggy chokes but you know people get real savvy to it and they're like oh gosh it's a buggy choke and so there's like fads and Mm -hmm. it'll come and go but i think mostly it's just the future is gonna well you see kids like uh, the Rotolos and Colabate, these young kids that are coming out and they're so good already and they're 16, yeah. 17, 18. So the future to me is probably going to be just elite form of jujitsu that's just mm-hmm. pristine and amazing because mm-hmm. these kids that are so, they've already been training their entire life and they're still so young and they're still training hard. They're just going to produce this just amazing form of jujitsu. It's going to be beautiful. So I'm really excited to see that. And then just the evolution of these young guys coming out of these amazing schools, it's going to make the competition scene very difficult for these older competitors. And I say older as in like thirties, you know, that they're, they're going to yeah. be so old compared to like Colabate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you compete with this guy who's got a phenomenal cardio? His joints are still intact and he's been practicing for 10 years already. That's definitely where I see it going. It's just the earlier or younger competitors. And yeah, just these guys have been in the game for so long. If they don't, if they don't train the way that these, these kids are training if, and they're not, and they're training the same concepts, they're just going to get left behind. So I realize after I asked you that question, you guys are really on the forefront of it as well with things like the PGF and, and things like that, you know, that's so groundbreaking. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and it just seems like with each season of the PGF, Brandon is just getting more and more eyes on it. And so just like at the beginning of my jujitsu journey, I did not see us landing in this spot 15 years later. Who knows what the PGF is going to become? You know, Mm -hmm. Brandon Brandon does big things and he's got an amazing team to back him up. And so sky's the limit. One thing that we hear about PGF is that even people who don't do jujitsu or even understand jujitsu will watch it because it's a story too. You know, the the competitors, we tell their story and then people will just start rooting for them because you find your favorite. And so it's it's really cool that it's captivating people that are not necessarily addicted to jujitsu. But 
like I said, Scaff does an amazing job with commentary and he's able to break break things down so that people who don't understand jujitsu are like, oh, okay, I see what he's trying to do there. Well, it's, it's really cool. I want to recap some of the just bullet points I had when it comes to you. We got martial arts, academy location changes, teaching, seminars, online academy, commentary, podcasts, hosting, being guests on a podcast. Brandon and Lindsay have a podcast, the podcast, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the logistics of regular life outside of jujitsu. That's a lot. It's crazy when you, and I'm sure I didn't capture all of it. What was funny to me or, or something that stood out, dragon boat racing. What is it and why do you dig it so much? Okay. Now that is one of my things that I love. <laughs> um, so when I was teaching, I had a coworker ask me to be on the dragon boat team with him. And so what a dragon boat is, it's like a large canoe and there are 20 paddlers. So that it's not rowing. Like you think about like this, you actually have a paddle. And so there are 20 paddlers and then there's a drummer up front who sets our pace for us. And then we have a steerer in the back who's, you know, got the, the rudder. I almost said utter <laughs> rudder. <laughs> and um, so our local hospital runs a fundraiser every year. I haven't for the past three years, but we're, we're going to work on it this year. Actually, they've got a date for the race on the calendar. So hoping that it actually happens this year. Cool. So I went and rode uh, or paddled on their team. And I just loved it. It's just, again, it's a team. It had nothing to do with jujitsu, had nothing to do with Brandon. So it was just a Lindsay thing. And um, so it was so much fun. I got to be on a team. I got to compete, you know, and it was just amazing. And we got the opportunity to go to China. They invited us to, in Shanghai, they have a, an amateur race. Well, they have a, they have a pro portion as well. And it was amazing oh. to watch athletes on the dragon boat but anyway um and i think we got fourth in the amateur race so it was pretty cool and it was amazing so we were in this like uh, it was part of a river i think that had just kind of been um sectioned off but it had these high embankments on the side and like just people lined up all the way down this little alleyway and wow. huge TVs and like drones flying around. And it was so amazing. And yeah, we got to compete in China. We got to go see the Great Wall. And so, yeah, Dragon Boat has taken me to China. It was, it was really That's awesome. wild. Yeah. And so this year, like I said, the, my coach contacted me about a month ago and said, all right, the date on the calendar, we're going to get a boat and start practice. And so that'll add to my my practices for a couple of months, but yeah, I just, I love it. It's so much fun. (laughs) Well, Lindsay, I want to be respectful of your time here and I appreciate you spending all this time with me and discussing all these things with me for the listener. Where can they get more information about you and what you're up to? Okay. uh, On Facebook, I'm Lindsay Jones McCatherine and on Instagram, I'm Lindsay McCatherine at Lindsay McCatherine. And like you mentioned, uh, if you want to listen to our podcast, it's Brandon and Lindsay have a podcast now. That's the name of our podcast. So most of the time we'll just get together um, on Thursdays and we'll talk about things that are happening with the school or current events. And it's mostly just me and Brandon hanging out and being silly. (laughs) So yeah, any of those channels. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you being on and and again for spending your time and and uh, I hope to see you teaching more online and, and you got to thank Brandon also for you know all his uh, uh, content as well and and your hard work as as well. I love the Jedi Academy, the lifetime member. I've been blessed with that. So uh, yeah, so I really love it all. So thanks so much. No problem. Thank you.